everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi. I remembered my own name. That's a good thing. It was my birthday yesterday, so... Happy birthday! Yeah. Happy birthday to me. Uh, with me this week is Joe Perez. It's not his birthday, I don't think. It's not your birthday, is it? We it is not, but it feels like it is because today has been a, today has been a good day, at least a rarity in 2020. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, uh, rather than to dwell on how terrible this year has been, let's move on and talk about something a little bit more fun, like World of Warcraft and the like. Uh, I haven't done anything in Diablo in a long time, uh, because like I said, Diablo Season 22 came out, and then almost immediately Shadowlands launched, and I was like, yeah, okay, well, it was good to have that three days with the Diablo Season 22. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I... I would be level sixty by now. Um, I, my character is like three bars away on, on the on the thing, but I I just missed some game time this weekend due to life stuff. Like for instance, my birthday. Uh, so yeah, my guild's raiding tonight, and I won't be going with them because I didn't get there in time. Uh, purely my own fault. Uh, but yeah, it is kind of a bummer seeing everyone head off to Castle Nathria while I'm like just a little bit away. I should not have been playing all these alts. I have like four alts who are like between level 52 and 56. How dare you have fun when your games are... Uh, it, but at the same time, it's not fun to watch everybody go raid and not be able to get them. That is un... So. Yeah, that's fair. My own fault. I I take full responsibility. I've, I feel happy that I will have a couple level 60s by next week and I'll have my, my choice of who to take, which is what I was going for. I wanted to have characters to make that decision. But yeah, what have you been up to in game, Joe, or otherwise? Uh, I went kind of hard as far as the game went, uh, which was really weird because I was still busy with work, and I don't remember when I slept, uh, but I am now, I think I'm at like item level 185. I've been pushing Mythics already, uh, got through all my story, doing my campaign stuff, already started leveling my alts. Uh, and then playing other games like I've been, you know, we talked about a little bit on the pre-show. But if you're interested in that, don't become a patron. Get the uncut edited show and, you know, hear what we talked about a previous game. Uh, also get the thrill to our sound mixing adventures. <laughs> Topical. But yeah, no, I mostly have been doing that and getting ready for raiding. We're not raiding this week. My guild's going to be stepping in next week, Wednesday. Uh, but we're still going to start trying to push uh, Mythic Pluses. Because we have a small group that actually really enjoys doing that. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun uh, just learning how I can break the blink ability from being in, in Ardenweld, which is... I used to... Shaman used to have a, an ability called Gust of Wind. It was a talent. I loved it. I used it all the time. It allowed me to do some really weird stuff, very similar to a Hunter's Disengage. And then they took it away from me. And I don't, haven't had it anymore. And now I've been abusing the... Uh, spirit shapes blink ability to do what I used to be able to do with that. So it's uh, I've been having fun with that and then figuring out where I can face through the walls and what I can find in various places. And I can tell you, there's a lot of weird, interesting things in Revendreth, and you should probably spend some time poking around. You might find some weirder things than you expect. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess we should talk about some of their top stories. Uh, one of those top stories is that it's my birthday. I, I put that in the email. It's my birthday yesterday, so happy birthday to me. Um, but another top story, however, is Nax Ramos got cleared in WoW Classic in an hour and a half. Yeah, not surprised. We wrote a post about it today. Uh, I'm just going to talk about it a little bit. This is not to be. This is not a surprise. And if you think this means that they did something to, to WoW's tuning, it's quite the opposite. They left the tuning almost exactly the way it was. The only thing they changed was they made the the various stages of the, the Scourge Invasion take twice as long to get through. Yeah. And they did that because they were aware that WoW Classic 
is absolutely chock-a-block with people in like full AQ BWL raid epics. Yeah. Which is not the way it was originally. And there's three real reasons I see for this, and I'm sure Joe has some eyes as well. But the first reason is quite simply every single computer involved in WoW Classic is leaps and bounds stronger than the computers we had in 2006. <laughs> yeah. The, server, oh, the, yeah. Servers, the servers that the game is being run from are way, way better. The internet connection that connects you to that server mm-hmm. is way stronger and way less likely to fall. Mm-hmm. And the computer you're running the game on looks at your old computer like it was a potato. Yeah. And when I say that, I'm not kidding. I, I had a Dell Inspiron laptop at the time. That was the laptop I, I used to tank Nax and originally. I believe that that computer had something like some megs of RAM, not the gigs of RAM that I have now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, back then, our like my guild's main tank, uh, when we were walking into Nax Ramos, if he got three frames per second on a boss fight, it was a good fight encounter. Like, it was ridiculous, and, like, he wasn't the only one. We all struggled. I used yeah, I used to point my my camera at the floor. Oh yeah, during the fights. So I just I would just be me and the boss from above, and that would be it, because that way I could maybe get five frames per second out of the experience, and I could see him moving, so I would know to be able to move. That was common for people to do, because again, like I said, we were running the game on potatoes. People don't know this, but one of the biggest stumbling blocks that people had in Axaramas was was the Lotheb fight. Oh, yeah. The Lotheb fight was very latency dependent because you can only do certain things during it. I believe you can only heal for like like for like for a few seconds when the spores are out or something. It was like 16 seconds or something. I can't remember the exact timing, but you had limited windows to, to heal before it went back to being unhealable. And if you were behind uh, or even just as a healer with regular latency, even if you saw the window, uh, if your latency spiked, because of global cooldown mechanics back then, which have been fixed multiple times in multiple expansions at this point, uh, yeah, it, you could seriously be the cause of a wipe on Lotheb simply because you were uh, two milliseconds out of phase. It was yeah. really, really, really rough. It was a brutal fight, and not because of anything the players did, because of latency. This is not an issue for the current guilds going through this this raid. Because the latency issue, the server issue is no longer... You don't get servers collapsing because there's a ton of people in Nax already. That doesn't happen like they did back then. Um, there's just That's just one reason. All the, all the equipment being used from the equipment over at Blizzard to the equipment in your house is just leaps and bounds better. So that's mm-hmm. phase one of what's why WoW Classic is, is seeing these, these fights be easier. Phase two is that we have been playing World of Warcraft since 2000. Yeah, the, and, collect, the collective herd knowledge or in knowledge that's available on the internet dwarfs what was back, available back then by an order of magnitude. Yeah, but even one of the other things to consider is, say you started playing around the time that Wrath of the Lich King came out, or we'll go even later. You started playing in Warlords of Draenor, which was back in 2000, 2014. So you started playing in, tw- in 2014. You've since played through Legion and Battle for Azeroth. You have been to a bunch of dungeons. Even if you didn't play any of the dungeons that came out before Warlords and you only played Warlords Dungeons on, you have seen the mechanics from Nax because they've been used again and mm-hmm. again and again, and they've been broken up and they've been made harder or more challenging or stranger. And so when you step into Nax, you know what this is. You've seen it all already. Even if you've never looked at Nax's mechanics, you've seen them. 
because they've been used in other fights. Oh yeah, and, and there's been many years times. of training. Yeah, and there's been many years where like guilds that I've been in have explained fights by remember this fight from Burning Crusade or remember this fight from you know Nexramus or or whatever as how they explain mechanics on modern bosses. Like it, yeah. it's a thing. <laughs> it's like that only with this added. Uh, or we they took the mechanic from this fight and then they added the mechanic from this fight. Mm -hmm. So basically, World of Warcraft has spent the last 16 years training you on how to do its mechanics, and now you know how to do its mechanics. So whether or not you are an original player who hasn't played since Classic, or you're a player who's playing WoW Classic now after picking up World of Warcraft at some point in the future, it you've learned how to play World of Warcraft. You you go into Nax knowing how to do this stuff. And and, and it's not a bad thing. It's just something no, no, that you have to not. it's just something you have to acknowledge when you're talking about WoW Classic. And we we talk about this often. Uh you know, it's it's not necessarily the same game just because of that. It it can't be the same game because of it. I've I've taken a saying it this way. It is exactly the same game. You're not the same person. Yeah, the same experience, I guess I should say. That's one of the things I keep thinking about. Is like, I know there are people who are clearing Nax right now. They're clearing the original Nax in WoW Classic that are below 14 years old. And that means they were not alive when Nax came out. Mm -hmm. There are people who are clearing Nax who first went into it when they were 14 years old. Those people are now almost 30. Yeah. And if you were, like, say, in your 30s when Nax came out, you're heading towards 50. Yep. Hi. I'm one of those people. And so none of us are the same, either because we didn't exist or because we were much younger. And we have changed as people. Just World of Warcraft Classic exists in a world where internet speeds are faster, where there's more information. There's literally no way you can truly be surprised by any fight encounter in World of Warcraft Classic. WoW Classic just can't surprise you because everything in it is something we already saw once that has had 14 to 16 years to percolate through the player base that they can go back and look at old thoughtbot you know write-ups i mean it's just that's just the world we live in and that's not wow classic's fault and that doesn't make wow classic a bad game people think i hate wow classic i don't i don't hate it in the slightest i think it's kind of amazing that we have this thing that we oh, can yeah. go back and look at mmos that change don't do this the, the, the EverQuest did something similar. And when EverQuest did it, it's barely a footnote. Yeah. Some people play those servers, but some most people don't. Most people don't even play EverQuest because EverQuest has not really gotten a ton of graphical updates over the years. Let's be fair. EverQuest still kind of looks like EverQuest did in 1997. Um, and if you like that, great. Uh, but I don't, so I didn't play EverQuest. <laughs> I, I did love the EverQuest uh, campaign source book for 3rd edition D&D. By the way, I owned it. I thought it was wonderful. Uh, I used it. I, I stole classes from it and everything. But regardless, WoW Classic is this fantastic thing where you can go back and you can see. I, I don't think you guys realize just how cool Nax is. Oh, yeah. You know, Nax was really... And to get to finally see it the way it was when it came out, as opposed to the, the Wrath of the Lich King version, which isn't bad or anything, but the Wrath of the Lich King version feels empty. Like, I think I described the 10-man version as feeling like an empty strip mall. Yeah, like, I remember you know, I remember walking into it. Like, as I was, I had the uh, joy of doing the 40-man raid, uh, and then going back and doing the 10 and 25, even the 25 felt empty. Like, it was just different. 
So yeah, different. They, the poles are smaller. They're they're more further further spaced. And you don't remember this. It's hard to remember this. But Nax Forty was designed to fill the space mm-hmm. in a way that when they took when they pulled down mob poles, the space feels empty because it was designed to use the space. And now you're not using all of it. And that's just. I honestly, I encourage everybody in WoW Classic if you can get into Nax, do it. Find a group that will go in with you. Like get your raid to go in. Uh, and it won't be easy if, you know, it, it's easy for people who have done literally everything the game has to offer. They've blown through everything. If you and your group of like, you know, 40 friends that you've somehow found, and by the way, kudos on getting 40 people together. That's, that's a, mm-hmm. if you guys haven't been really keeping up and you're going to just go into Nax for the first time, it's going to eat your face. Uh, just because people are clearing it in an hour and a half doesn't mean your group will, uh, be willing to experience the, the brutality that the raid had to offer, but don't be mad if it isn't really giving you that experience because there's just so much has changed. The stuff that's changed isn't the game. It's just everything about it, everything around it. I honestly, I, I really hope people don't take this to mean that somehow the game is broken or it's not as good as it was. It absolutely is. Uh, but if imagine if they left Nax 40 in the game this whole time, imagine if all the original the stuff that's in WoW Classic, imagine if all of that was accessible in, in regular WoW right now you would not be expecting it to surprise you because you'd know that you could just go in at any time. That's the thing that got lost. That's the thing that got taken away. That's the thing I always thought was a mistake. Mm-hmm. All that content should be in the game. I agree. I mean, I it would be weird. It would be weird if it was still in regular WoW because then it would be squished to like level 30 and that would just be strange to me going into like, what you know, Nax 40 and like all the mobs are level 25. It- I mean, I often say this, like, my biggest thing that I miss in WoW is the pre-cataclysm world. Like, I miss some of that exploration and finding some of those weird things that were hidden because the world changed. The world is not what it was. Uh, You know, and I appreciate that WoW Classic is preserving that. Yeah, absolutely. And for that matter, I mean, one of the things you can do is you can go to Silverpine and you can go look at the Grey Main Wall and see the old I was just going to say that. You can see that where the Furbolg are outside telling you, yeah, don't go in there. It's weird in there. There's some, there's some, you don't want to go in there. It's bad, 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 bad. Like I miss things like that. I miss stumbling across things. I miss going to old Hygel where we climbed over the wall and there's like, you get to a certain point and there's actually like a working construction sign just out in the world. It was, it was cool. It was, I miss, I still miss Captain Placeholder. Captain Placeholder was great. I, I miss when things would break, uh, in spectacular fashion. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I couldn't talk just then because I have a Band-Aid on my back and it was coming off. There's, there's some sharing for you guys. Sorry about that, but I'm back now. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, so that's that. Um, the other news is that obviously we've talked about it a little bit already, but Castle Nathria is out as of this recording. World bosses are live in Shadowlands, so you can go and you can get your uh, legendary memories from, from killing the world bosses. So if you're working on a legendary, there you go. You can do that. Um, so yeah, that's all happening this week. I think Nathria is obviously it's it's normal and it's normal and heroic this week, and it's mythic and raid finder next week. That's usually how they do it. Correct. Um, wing, gonna post. To, I was gonna say, say wing one of LFG or yeah, L- wing one of LFR will be next week, and then it will yep. open on like every couple of weeks. Uh, I actually wrote a thing, and it didn't go live today. It might go live uh, tomorrow, or maybe not. Who knows? You never know. But one of the things we were talking about was the uh, whether or not this was too soon for Castle Nathria. Uh, and it, from some standards, obviously, it's only a week earlier than it would normally. Like the last couple of expansions, the uh, 
first raid opened like three weeks in, and this this time it opened two weeks two weeks in, which is completely understandable. Uh, the the fact the circumstances of Shadowlands coming out were pretty unique, and it's not a surprise that they might want to get that out before you get too far into December, because at least for Blizzard is a California company, it's in the United States. Uh, Christmas is a pretty big deal for both, you know, for the, for a lot of Western. It's not surprising that they would want to get this out before Christmas uh, to get people at least get a taste of it before well, the holidays. Well, not only that, but it's a, I think it's a nice thing to do, especially, and not to dwell on it, but the state of the world, it's another thing for people to do that during that time frame, if they can't travel or if they don't celebrate the holidays or can't celebrate the holidays in, in any manner, it's nice to have that out before then because if that happens to be you and your guild and you or your rating group and you do that, you have something additional that you can do as a group. Um, so now my opinion is entirely the opposite, whereas I was going to argue they should not have put it out in December at all, because that way people don't feel rushed. They don't have to rush to get the 60 as soon as possible. They could take more time because a this is a really busy gaming season. There's a lot of games dropping it, this month. It is B. Like I know a lot of people who uh, who are saying exactly what you're saying, so I do get that that's there, and I I accept that a lot of people this is really good to have it out earlier. For a lot of people, they're like, oh god, I'm not ready. Oh god, yeah. I can't you know I can't get my character there. I can't get geared fast enough. And I feel like Shadowlands should have taken the opportunity to let people level slower because I I've always been of the opinion, and I've been of the opinion more and more as time passes, that we consume content way too quickly, and then we get mad that there's not more content for us to consume when we ate it all in the first week. And then it's like, okay, dude, we can only make this so fast. Mm -hmm. It took us two years to make this. And, you know, we're working on more stuff all the time, but, but we need some time to do it. That month that you, we could have had just doing the leveling content, maybe you would have got bored, but at least it would have then meant that when we came out with the raid in January, we would have gotten more lead time to get you know more stuff out. Because one of the things people forget, at least one of the things I really liked about both Battle for Azeroth and Legion was the way they staggered content releases. Um, I think Legion really comes to mind. Legion put out its first major patch and hadn't finished releasing its initial raids yet. Patch nine point, uh, patch uh, 7.1 came out and it was returned to Karazhan. It didn't have any raid content and it. it had a five-man. It was a big five-man, but it was a five-man. The reason that they could do that was because they had raid content in the initial patch that they hadn't released yet and didn't release for months. They put out Emerald Nightmare and Halls of Valor earlier and Nighthold, which was considered the same tier, didn't get released for months. Nighthold also felt very big. Yeah, and Nighthold was bigger, very big. It had a lot of bosses in it. Mm -hmm. But my important thing about Nighthold was it came out months later. It came out after 9.1 had dropped, even though, it, and I keep saying 9.1 when I mean 7.1. It came out after 7.1 had dropped, even though it, it was in the game with 7.0. It was in the game the whole time. It wasn't, it was just not released. I feel like Blizzard needs to get back to doing that to some degree. And maybe they will. Maybe Castle Nathria is just the start. And we're going to see other stuff get released before the next major patch. We know that patch 9.1 is going to have flying. In. It's just straight up. You're going to be able to get flying in patch 9.1. So that means they basically just felt like, okay, this time we turn flying off for leveling and that's it. And we're going to let people have it once the initial surge of leveling is over. And I think that's smart. That's smart. But because that's going to be a 9.1, we don't know what else will be a 9.1. Will and there be raids in it? Will there be a dungeons in it? Will there be zones in it? We right now, 
we don't know. And that means that we don't know what the content speed is going to be this time around. Like we don't know and, if they're going to stagger content or if we're going to just get it like a fire hose. That was Mists of Pandaria's biggest mistake. Oh, they, everything just threw out. That's why we wound up with two years inside of Siege of Orgrimmar. Yeah, because not two years, but like a solid. Like wasn't it so close to like like it was like something like eighteen months. Eighteen months. Yeah, it was. It, yeah. I, I think it was eighteen. Months. It was a long but time. I, I remember it, Siege of Orgrimmar very well. It, I, was, it was very long. I will make this comment, and Auto Luke just made it, and, and he beat me to it. But I was going to say the same thing as a counterpoint. Content doesn't necessarily always mean a raid. It's okay to have the raid release. One thing that I'm curious is if they're going to do different types of content release in between raids and other milestones, because it seems like this is the the perfect expansion almost to start toying with some of that a little bit. Maybe they do more scenarios or things like that. Maybe they do more story events. Maybe they do things with uncovering other lands. There's things that they could potentially do that aren't necessarily a raid. Uh, that still keep up the pace of new content. And I'm curious if they're going to start doing something like that. And Sure, but unfortunately, um, whether or not it's raid is not really the issue. The issue is staggered release versus non-staggered release. Um, sure. And with 9.1 coming at some point, if Castle Nathria is the only raid content we have this this patch, then we then get it more likely that the next patch will come out sooner. Because eventually they're going to have to put more stuff in. They're going to have to put another raid in. That's just in, inescapable. I certainly would like it if if they copied the Return of Karazhan formula, I would actually be pretty happy. If the next patch was, a, was say, a five-man dungeon, mm -hmm. that would make me super happy. Uh, I have no problem with that. I think Legion had close to the perfect content delivery system. Yeah, I'd agree. Where they did, they did like, the, the patches in between, like the... Nine, you know, 9.1.5. I keep saying 9 when I mean 7. 7.1.5, 7.2.5. And, and Battle for Azeroth, for the flaws that it had, it actually did a really great job staggering out its content. Like, when when uh, 8.1 dropped with the, uh, you know, Tides of Vengeance, they, they had Battle for Dazarlor started almost immediately. Well, almost immediately is actually like, it was like a month around. It was in January. But then Crucible of Storms didn't come out till April. Yeah. So, and that, that's a good staggered out thing that gives you time for the next patch and you know 8.2 and then you know 8.3 8.2 has a ton of content in it that's nothing to do with a raid yeah the raids there but we had two whole world zones drop in and you could totally do that and i'm not my argument isn't that we shouldn't have different kinds of content my argument is that we should stagger it out more and that it's definitely would have been a good time to stagger out the raid more not have it sooner because they did have it sooner not later they pushed it out a week earlier and i get why and i think your argument is perfectly valid like i for a lot of people what you said is absolutely true were i making the decision i would have waited till january but i'm not making the decision and blizzard has access to a lot more information than i do about these things they might very well have said look we've already pushed this thing back uh we we can't push the rating back to this rating should have already happened and you're right uh, this entire expansion should have already happened. Should have happened in October. Uh, think about it. If if this expansion had happened in October, like it was intended to, then the raid would have been out in early November, not early December. So there's there's pros and cons to both. I absolutely think that. But I'm much. I keep looking back on the fact that every expansion since Wrath of the Lich King has been two years apart. Yeah. Like the only expansion that came out not two years ahead of the previous one is Burning Crusade. And, and Burning Crusade was 
basically two years ahead of Wrath. It was just early 2007 versus late 2008. Yeah, I mean, and I guess the only counter-argument that I would say is, and this is something I've been arguing about or screaming from the mountains for a while, is maybe they move away uh, from that type of thing, right? Maybe they... uh, Maybe they look at some of the other games and see how they release content, and maybe it doesn't become every two years. Maybe they look at other delivery methods of content beyond just expansion. So I don't know. I, quite frankly, I don't think that's likely to happen. I think the expansion thing works pretty well for them. I just think that they need to accept, we're going to do this every two years. It's not going to be every year. That's never going to happen. You're gonna, so therefore, since we know the next expansion is two years away at, at earliest... That means we need to stagger out when we deliver content. And the content does not have to be a raid. I absolutely think that. I think that's having five minutes, having zones, all sorts of stuff coming out. I think, honestly, I, I, I feel like Warfronts were a really good idea that just didn't quite deliver on what they were going for. I think but Island Expeditions did. were a good thing that could yeah. have been more explored more. I think that those mechanics should come back in some different form. Mm-hmm. Um, Warfronts in particular, I keep thinking... Releasing something that is effectively a it's like a PvP raid where you're like not it's you're raiding like it's NPCs and it's a raid, but it's like in the form of a of a battleground, there's something there that can definitely be worked. It just didn't quite hit in Battle for Azeroth for a variety of reasons. I think part of the problem was that they were too easy up front. And then that the harder versions were made like, you know, group finder only essentially. Uh because people's guilds don't people don't have guilds big enough to fill one of those things in. And I do think Deb wrote a piece a while back about guilds in, in Shadowlands. Guilds haven't seen anything in like three expansions. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you you know, you're probably a better person to talk about that than me because my guild is very, is very casual. Your guild is only semi-casual. Um, so your guild is much more likely to feel that, I think. Yeah. And even then, though, like it's I think they're introducing enough content into the game that like we don't really feel the burnout, if that makes sense. Like, I mean, we do, and people will definitely, like, there's a point where we just stop raiding, but then there's still other content for people that still want to do other things. Like, we might decide to say, hey, we're done raiding at this point. You know, like, last BFA, like, I fin- I finished doing my mythic pushes at the end because it was fun, and it was group content that I could do with people, and uh, so, like, we were pushing 15-plus keystones because that's what we wanted to do. Uh, I appreciate that there's enough stuff being put into the game that even if like raiding becomes tedious or you're, you're done or you check out or, you know, people are starting to fade or want to take a break, which is perfectly fine. There's still other things to do if you're not one of those people. So it, it works out okay. Their content delivery system, I think, could be fine-tuned, but it's not awful right now. Like Legion and BFA weren't weren't bad as far as that. All right. Well, at this point though, we're going to move on and do some emails. I think, cause we've talked quite a bit. We have, uh, if you, if you have an email for the show or a question we'd like to ask on the show, there's multiple ways to get those things to us. The uh, easiest is probably just to email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch. So we know it's for the show. Um, or if you prefer to use discord, we have two discord channels. Um, one is patron Q and podcast questions, which we look at and take those questions. Several of the questions in today's email come from both. Uh, the other is the Q questions channel, which we look at after the patron channel, because well, we look at patron stuff first because they're patrons. They help us keep the lights on. So we give them back, but we do look at there as well. Um, 
Joe's going to read the questions for us because he does because, well, in case you don't know, I'm real old. So uh, if you don't mind, Joe. Not a problem. Uh, question for the Blizzard Watch podcast from Zadus. Do you think the jelly creatures in Meldraxxus are vertebrates? My dungeon team has been discussing this. They appear to have spines, but it's not clear if they're structural or decorative. Are they using their skeletons or is it more like jello salad? My bet's I mean, on jello salad. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's they're not vertebrates because they're not animals. They're they're dead things that are given a form based on the place they went to. That's a soul. So you know they're not vertebrates. Nothing you see is a vertebrate or an invertebrate because those are terms for living things. None of those things are alive. Uh, a lot of them are made out of pure anima. Yeah. In fact, we, we go around harvesting them. So yeah, not vertebrates. Jello <laughs> salad seems to work as well as anything else. Yeah, I'm definitely on that that boat. It's it's like uh, the old cave slimes from D&D. They may have bones in them, that doesn't mean that they're using those bones. They're just there. <laughs> All right. Our next question. Uh, hello to our wintry podcast hosts. I took a long hiatus from WoW during Legion. I felt burned out and thought some time away would be good. For Azeroth didn't inspire me at all because I felt tired of the horror slash alliance conflict. It feels like a tired story. But I always listen to the Blizzard Watch and Lore Watch to keep up with the story. The way you all tell the story and your attention to the story beat details is second to none. Well, thank you. Thank you for all the hard work. And thank you for being a listener. For me, Joe, to you. Uh, Shadowlands piqued my interest and the story compelled me to resub and catch up as best I can. I love the new leveling system. I love the way the classes feel kind of still a bit rusty but when shadowland launched i was blown away for starters i gave my paladin a new transmog look and while i was thinking mandalorian i was happy to look like iron man uh they did include an image and it does look like iron man uh, if it fit because of the way uh blizzard allowed me the player to be the center of the cinematics was amazing i feel important to the story finally a couple things stand out where are the gnomes in the maw i see all races as ghosts except for gnomes I feel bad that me, the character, did not tell Draka the Thrall is in the Maw. Also, the cutscene where Anduin and Sylvanas speak and she reveals the truth, Sylvanas lets something slip. We can't even choose who we, and then stops. Keep up the great work. Cheers. Mark on Bronzebeard. Yes, I got, an, uh, I got the name change to my real name. Feels good. Well, congrats on that, Mark. So, yeah, go for it. Uh, why are there gnomes in the Maw? Uh, because gnomes never die. <laughs> Have you ever seen a gnome die? They just get rebuilt. Mechatork didn't die when he got cut in half. Leper gnomes don't die. They're, they're yeah. still running around. Uh, you know, not Mechatork. That was, uh, Mechatork is uh, Overmaster. I'm trying to remember the, who's the, the end boss of, of Gnome. Thermoplug. Thermoplug. Yeah, he didn't die. He got cut in half and he just came back. Uh, Mechatork got frozen and he's back. Yeah, gnomes don't die. I, I don't know. I'm going to go with Autoluke. I think they do die. I think they just don't have souls. I, I maintain that no, gnomes are the most evil race on this planet. You guys keep arguing that because you're, you know, let's be honest. You're, you're racist. I mean, I'm racist against gnomes. I'm a fox. And it's fine. You're, you're afraid of them. <laughs> you fear their obvious superiority. You, you know that sooner or later they're going to you just crush everybody else in Azeroth under their benign foot. Oh, you know, they, they, they yeah, they absolutely will. They will absolutely crush Azeroth under their, their mechanical. Yeah. And that's <laughs> fine because they're the smartest and the best and they deserve to rule. You know that when the, the, the gnome revolution comes, they're not going to spare you, right? Spare me? Are you kidding me, dude? I'm going to be in front line. <laughs> he says, playing on his not gnome. <laughs> yeah, well, I have non gnome characters. I do also have gnome characters. I just don't want you to know who they are, so they can get you better. But regardless, uh, I mean, you know, it's probably just an oversight. I mean, you know, that's that's. Although to be you honest, know I, didn't, I haven't seen any goblins in there either. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't actually recall seeing that many of anything in the Maw. Like, oh, I, don't... I have seen, I can say that I've seen elves, which they can be anything because it's an elf frame. Um, I don't think I've seen trolls. I could be wrong. I've seen Torin. For sure I've seen Torin. I've seen Vrykrul. Um, I haven't run across any uh, Tuscar yet, which I'm sure I will because... I'm looking at you, Steve. I know you love messing with me with those Tuscar. I yeah, see but if you, you want to talk about things that don't have souls, I mean, Tuscar, come on. <laughs> um, I th- I've seen humans. I have not seen Worgen, at least in Worgen form. Uh, maybe <laughs> the curse. <laughs> Their ghosts only turn into ghost wolf form when they're ghost fighting. Or maybe, maybe, maybe the curse is lifted in death. Who knows? Um, I have not seen gnomes. I have not seen goblins. I have not seen Drenai in the Maw, which. That's also interesting. Uh, trying to think what else I haven't seen. I've seen High Mountain. Yeah, I got nothing. Like, there's, there's, and, uh, we got QB uh, in chat saying that they have seen goblins, uh, but not seen trolls. It's also possible that they're far and few between. They seem to be very sparing in it. I don't know. Kind of keep your, uh, kind of keep your eyes out. If you're listening to this and you're in the Maw and you catch one of these races, send us a screenshot on Twitter or something. I'd love to see him because I'm, I'm very clearly missing some. So, uh, and there is a troll in a cinematic, but, I think that is just the cinematic. I think all the trolls are like, supposedly going trolls, to the other side. Yeah, I was gonna say it's possible that trolls are getting hijacked. We know that Juan Samdi is, you know, trying really hard to to get all his people where he wants them and not, you know, and just Mo- all and makes on. it a Moizal makes it a point to point out that Juan Samdi has hidden them, not not just like they're in another room. He's hidden them. He's trying to get Juan Samdi to tell them where they are. So it's entirely possible some of that's a logical choice. Matt might actually be right with the whole gnomes not dying thing. Um, and I'm not saying that in a way, but like thinking of Mechagon, they might not actually like die, die. They may just be rebuilt or repurposed. There's this in 40 K, like there's this thing with servitors where they like basically hollow out a husk, but it's still kind of living. It just takes away most of its sentience. And I could totally see like gnomes doing that as a form of punishment because Dude, why in not? 40k orcs are fungus. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I don't think we can pull 40k lore in at this point. I'm just saying, like King Mechagon, instead of killing him, you just turn him into a servitor. I could totally see them trying to do something like that. But yeah, or, I don't know about that. Yeah, we don't know. There's probably a variety of reasons that are fully pragmatic, just that they, you know, grab the models that the most sense to use. Uh, but. Also, uh, going on to the next question, uh, I don't think that it, we have to tell Draka that Thrall's in the Maw. Don't forget, Draka was trained in the House of Eyes. She's a spy. She's a she's a rogue. Uh, she's also, used to being a spy master. Any, I haven't seen any examples of Draka giving a rat's behind for her former life. Nope. She hasn't, you know, there's no concern for her former husband, who she died with, and so, and she doesn't, she doesn't even mention, I had a kid. It doesn't come up she we don't have no idea how long she's been here from her perspective yeah and you know, we it, it, there, there is a possibility that but I'm, I'm just like you're right and the only time we see anything referencing her former life is in the afterlife short and and that's it like she doesn't talk about it she just talks about you know being molded to her new purpose but it is also possible that she knows already that he's in there and is just biding her time because she's got something a little more pressing to deal with, which is the Maldraxian civil war, uh, which is five feet away from her. And if she goes in the mall, she can't come back out. We can. So it's not maybe not worth her time. I mean, you know, it might be that it might be that she simply, you know, it, it's been she's been living, living, but you know, she's been in the Shadowlands Existing. for years 
of our time. And that we know that time in the Shadowlands doesn't really exist. So from her perspective, she could have gone through thousands of years of this. That's kind of similar to when you when uh we saw Turalyon and Ilaria for the first time in Legion, and like from our perspective, it's been like thirty years, but the twisting nether time doesn't make any sense. And they've been around for at least a thousand years of war, which from Turalyon's perspective is multiple lifetimes. He still remembers the Alliance and still feels fondly towards it, but he doesn't have any particularly strong connections because it's been a thousand years from his perspective. So for her, this all might be like, you know, you know, Thrall's important, but she's, you know, that she kind of said goodbye to that life, you know, who knows how long ago. So even if she does want to go and get him out, they're just, she might not, she might not be in a hurry because to her, time doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, or she may have lost a lot completely just straight up lost concept, right? Like it Yeah. I mean, I experienced that myself. I totally forgot that it was December like yesterday. I can't imagine how that is for, you know, a being living in a timeless place. Yeah, I mean, well, you kind of can because the past year has felt like <laughs> March has just never ended. <laughs> so, yeah, kind of, yeah. But I, I I definitely think that it's I don't know that you had to tell Drock anything. Plus there wasn't a lot of time. The first time you see Draka, she's literally hauling you out of a Coliseum full of maniacs. So, mm-hmm. th- and things go pretty fast in Meldraxis. Plus, it's disgusting. Uh, I, I, I would be busy going. Oh God, there's more ore on the ground. It is the splurchiest uh, and squelchiest of zones that has ever existed. Uh, I think the last question that we have here is the the cutscene with Anduin and Zelanas. We talked about this a little bit on Lore Watch. It's hard to tell if it's a slip or if it's deliberate because. Sylvanas really is good at playing the game of manipulating people. Uh, mm-hmm. sh- she could be doing this specifically to manipulate Anduin into a very specific position, and we have no idea. She has these moments of, like, I don't want to say humanity, but she has these moments where she actually does give into her emotion uh, or or becomes... Her elfanity. Her elfanity. Yeah, let's go with that. I like that. Uh, elfanity. <laughs> but... It could also She's just no be a LCD. game, but it could be a game. We don't know yet. We won't know for a while. What do you think? And, you know, she does definitely have her own purpose. Uh, I think that's fair. Oh, yeah. And she could be working her purpose. That's absolutely true. Or, I mean, not the purpose, just her purpose. But, you know, I never trust anything Sylvana says, ever. When Sylvana says it, I immediately question it. And then I question whether or not she intends for me to question it. Like, so, sometimes Sylvana says things knowing that you won't believe her. In, in fact, to push you into disbelieving her because that will be useful to her. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I definitely, I'm definitely taking everything Sylvana says with a grain of salt. And then I'm looking at the grains of salt and going, what if she wants the salt? This isn't salt. This is potassium chloride. So, so who knows? Yeah. We'll find out at some point, though. But uh, thank you very much for those questions, and I'm glad that you were able to get your name secured. I'm envious. Uh, Our next question. Hello, I enjoy how y'all explain what's going on, so I wondered if you could help me out with what exactly happened with Davos and Uther. After watching all the shorts pre-expansion, it appeared the only zone with questionable characters was Revendreth. Now, obviously, Davos wasn't happy with being ignored by the Archon, and so she elevated Uther anyway, and then they threw off their son to the Maw. But then I go, then I get to Bastion, and Davos and Uther are running the Maw Sworn, trying to wreck the place. What am I missing? Thanks as always. Uh, Concerta from Ravencrest. I'll let you go. This is Bastion, sort of your gig. Well, I mean, first up, I mean, yes, Devos is working on the Morsworn. I think for Devos, Devos is running the Forsworn. The Forsworn and the Morsworn are not the same thing. Devos is running the Forsworn. 
It's just that she has a connection to the Mossworn. And that connection is something she tries very hard to hide from Uther. Like you'll, you'll note when you go and see the memories of, uh, I can't remember the former hand of loyalty, who is of course loyal to Devos as, you know, the paragon of loyalty. There's that moment where she's like, where is your, where's your pet? Essentially, where's your, your, uh, your most recent elevated. And she's like, you know, he wouldn't understand this, but we've made allies and it's them that lead the whole thing where the, uh, the cre- the the Maldraxxus invasion comes through. They're the ones that cause it to happen at the House of Current. There's definitely a sense that Davos is not telling Uther everything. And I think as you, I haven't gotten to do the uh, Bastion campaign yet. That's going to be next up. But as you do the Bastion campaign, I've read up on it enough to know that you learn what what's being kept from Uther, what Davos has done, and why. It's definitely part of the campaign. So I'm going to say if you haven't done Bastion's campaign yet, wait till you get there because that's part of the revelation but it, it comes down to davos's davos is the paragon of loyalty and doesn't feel that the loyalty has been returned loyalty goes both ways um if you're loyal to someone they're supposed to be loyal to you too mm-hmm. and davos does not feel feels like what's been happening with people's memories being stripped away from them is a, it's basically a crime against them it's an act of disloyalty it doesn't respect what makes you strong what makes you who you are that's what they say when the Forsworn are, t- are like trying to convince the other uh, Kyrian to join them, they're like, you know, they've rejected everything that makes us strong, that makes us who we are. They've taken that away from us. Now they have the reasons. The Kyrian talk about, you know, how they need to be impartial. Uh, they need to be able to perform their task without favoritism. They need to be able to not say, be so angry at somebody that you throw him in the maw without taking him to the Arbiter first. I think it's going to come out that that was a really bad thing to do. And that when Davos did it, because keep in mind, Uther is the one who physically throws him in, but that was Davos's idea. And when Davos did it, I think she opened the door. She's like, you know, that's when she first broke her, her oath. It's when she first broke the loyalty she was supposed to show the Archon. And once that happened, she started making further and further contact. We're definitely going to see more about Davos and Helia. Because how is Helia getting Kyrian? Yeah, where is she making where, them? Where is she get? Where yeah. is she poaching them from because it's not just bastion yeah obviously the ones they're the ones getting there from davos davos and her forsworn are becoming more sworn obviously too people like uther are not down for that Mm -hmm. so there's there's more to the story i definitely think that you're looking at more that we've been we've been shown yeah and we're there's going to be more there and i think there's going to be some big thing with uh, Davos and Uther and all that coming to a head. There's too much of a buildup not to, but I don't think you're really missing much. It's just sort of like that that back behind the campaign, yeah. Or you know, otherwise it's not initially. We get pieces, but we don't get the whole thing. Yeah. So hope that gives you a little more insight, and hopefully you can uh, experience it. And in, or you know, maybe somebody will have something for you to. Uh, get some information on that, depending on if that's your chosen covenant or not. Uh, our next question comes from Tetsemi. Uh, question for the podcast slash Q. Night Elf Warrior Transmog. Plate armor, especially in female Night Elves, always seems a bit blocky for their fighting style, in my opinion. Short of uh, short of the Transmog set that doesn't exist yet from the uh, from the battle outside Orgrimmar, uh, which is very, very little armor, what pieces do you like to Transmog on a female Night Elf, and where are they from? Do you hide shoulders, wrists, etc.? Uh, you are more Night Elf than I am at this point, so I'll, what, what's your favorite, Matt? Okay. Ta-da! If you're watching the stream, that's it. <laughs> uh, now logging the character in. <laughs> Um, so for those of you that are, are not watching live, uh, it is a very like lower weighted, like it, the, the bottom is much heavier. 
uh, in terms of like physical appearance. Uh, but I'll let Matt tell you what pieces he's transmogged into, if he so chooses. Okay, here we go. Basically, this is the Warfront set from the Battle for Darkshore, except that I don't transmog the chest or helmet. I leave those unexposed because you'll notice this is similar to the transmog set you were talking about, but it's it's more blocky because it's plate. Uh, it's the, called I believe it's called the Warden set. Um, I'll actually get on my mount. And that way I can look at every piece and give you exact. Yeah, it is the Warden set, I believe. Yeah, here it is. The... Uh, the, the the helmet I don't wear is the petrified iron bark crown, but if we'll go to the shoulders for any, and you see it's the warden guard shoulder plates. Pretty much everything here is the warden guard set, uh, including the the weapons are the ones that also you got I got from the Thanos. This character's level 54, so I'm still using that stuff there yet. Um, but yeah, it's basically all stuff from that Warfront, and it has the very night elf. It's the purple and sweeping moon look that I use because I, I just, I dig it. I think it's really great. I don't wear the chest plate. I leave it untransmogged. Um, if they allowed me to have scars on my chest, I would have them. Uh, I do have scars on my face because I think scars survivors of Teldrassil. But yeah, this whole set is basically, it's just plate. So it's still a little blockier than other, it looks blockier than chain or leather. I honestly think that night elf warriors, you'd almost expect them to wear chain and not plate. Um, yeah. But I do like the way this set looks and how it works together. Like if you look at the uh, gloves and the uh, legs, it's all very form-fitting. Uh, it's just got some pieces riding on the top, which I think works really well. Um, but yeah, that, that's basically, this is what I go for. This or I have another set that I wear that I think looks really good on a Night Elf that I will switch to now if I can find it. Problem is, of course, finding it. Uh, no, it's not that. I do. I wear a lot of sets, so it's. I have to <laughs> dig through all my stuff here. But ah, there we go. No, that's Moon Shatter. I do. Did I? Okay. You know what I'll do? Talk for a couple seconds, Joe. Sure. Uh, as far as Elf Transmog goes, I actually really rotate between two sets, um, unless I find something particularly inspiring, uh, which because my Elf is a hunter, not a warrior. Uh, so for a hunter from the Elf perspective, I'm either in the Black Male Transmog set. Or the Dragon Stalker recolor with a different, like with no helm exposed. Because uh, there is a black and silver Dragon Stalker set that is absolutely gorgeous, in my opinion. Uh, I really enjoy it. And then the Black Dragon Mail is very, it looks light. It looks like it has armor, pierce, uh, armor pieces. Uh, still has some like pauldrons and, and everything, but it looks like something that my elf would wear. So those are, those are my go-to sets as far as elf transmog goes just not a warrior oh, for this warrior um the other set that i use here is this is the zorothian set basically zorothian transmog it's all greens and blues that dropped on the broken shore like it's just world random world blues and greens uh it looks like this it looks like a set it's completely uni unified it's very much based on like a demon like demon helmet it, it looks like you're basically killing demons and then using them as armor which I really liked. I thought for Legion it worked really well, especially since it's pieces that look like it drop inside the uh, the five man dungeon atop the two, the Temple of Sargeras, mm -hmm. Sargeras, which was originally the Temple of the Loon. So it definitely feels like a, rec a reclamation thing in terms of like it's very form fitting for the parts like the the chest and legs have a, a nice form fitting look. The boots and the boots and gloves are, are reasonably slim. 
the shoulder plates and helmet work well together to basically say, yeah, I kill demons and then I wear them. So I've, I've, this is one of my favorites. I, I wear this all the time. I think it I, works really well for it. I appreciate it the stompy well boots. For yeah. For other people, it, I think it actually doesn't look as well on other characters. I've worn it on a Torrin a few times and it, it looks kind of overly wide on a Torrin, I guess I would say. Yeah. A lot uh, of stuff does, especially shoulders like that. Torrin tend to, I don't know why their character model does this. Um, it seems like a weird choice, but sh- tiered shoulders in particular, uh, or ones that have raised elements like that tend to be oversized in like the X and Y axes, which it's almost like you're wearing wings. We are real weird to me. Like I, I never understood it. So. This is, this is, uh, I think this is my number two transmog after the one I just showed, uh, which is my number one. Other than that, I think that transmog looks Anything that shows some of the face is better for an um, or for any elf, really, for my Void Elf as well. You want to show off some of the face. You don't want to kind of completely closed in. Uh, I, I have and like a lot of the sets. Like, I have the complete Titanic Onslaught set, and I like it. I think it looks really good, but I think it looks better on an orc or a human or a Draenei than it does on an elf. And for an elf, you want to have this the, the grace feeling. You want to feel like they can move quickly, that their strikes are fast. Uh, it doesn't feel like even with a night elf who is a seven foot tall, you know, killer. It doesn't feel like they they kill with brute force. It feels like they kill with finesse, mm-hmm. which is of these swords. Uh, the swords that they they brought in for the uh, Darkshore Warfront, and that you know Nathanos dropped the same model. I feel like these look really great for a night elf. They're just they they have the nice sweeping lines. They've got the moon and the hilt. I, I really love these sword models for. I agree. Those are really really gorgeous swords for an elf. Yeah, so that's that is my answer to your question. Hopefully, this character will be level sixty next week, so I can take her on the raids. Uh, if not, I'll have to be stuck with my human. That's just sad. But you know, the human was my first character ever to sixty originally, so I wanted to get into sixty before I leveled anybody else. And then I get distracted because I hate humans so much. <laughs> oh my god, humans are terrible ass. Just everything about them terrible. <laughs> But well, you anyway, know, you, you know, it's not terrible. This question from our friend Lord Soth coming up. Uh, so he has a question that is actually not related to lore, which I didn't think that ever happened. Uh, I was studying up on armor appearances of the covenants for my death knight, and it got me to a question about the various armor sets. Each covenant has a different set for each type of armor. Does this mean you would technically have to run through the entire covenant story on 16 different characters to acquire the transmog of, for all four sets from all four covenants? Or do they have some sort of account unlock? That makes it so you only have to do the covenant on one character to unlock the transmog for all types of armor with that covenant. What about transmogging to other covenants? Could a warrior with Maldraxxus transmog to Venthyr plate unlocking by unlocked by a Death Knight? Thanks again for all you do. As far as I know, you have to actually have the transmog yourself. Yeah, not I've... heard anything about being able to use the Venthyr transmog on a on a Maldraxxus character or what have you. So. I, because I'm leveling two male wearers and I do have several pieces of male gear in Ardenweld, that is not the covenant that I chose for my hunter. My hunter is actually chosen Bastion and I've just started making my way through. Um, but I can't transmog into the Ardenweld uh, male pieces on my hunter. And whether that's by design or an oversight, no idea. But as of right now, I can't do it unless that changed today and I missed it. It is Tuesday. It is patch day. They did fix a lot of things. Uh, I haven't played with Transmog, but I, I suspect it's by design to entice you to have a little more meaningful choice in your covenant in terms of your cosmetics. Uh, so I think the answer to the question is yes, 16 different characters 
through the 16 or through the covenants. So all four, four armor types through all four covenants in order to get them all, but it would be locked to that character that unlocks them. I mean, maybe it wouldn't if you have two different characters that both took. If you're a warrior and your Death Knight both went to Ardenweald, maybe if the warrior had it all unlocked and your your uh, Death Knight only has one unlocked, maybe he'd get all of them. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. That's how it worked for when you did lead the Legion mount quests. Once you had the mounts, like for some for some classes, you got them for every like for every character. Like for instance, I had a warrior who unlocked the uh, the warrior mount in Legion, then all my other warriors had it. I didn't have to do it again. But that's not the case for all classes, and I don't know how they're doing it this time around. Yeah. Okay, I think, I don't know if there's anything else to really add to that. I mean, if it changes, we'll keep you posted. Obviously, keep a, keep an eye on the site, keep an eye or an ear here. Uh, if they change that, or if it unlocks, or they change how that sort of like flows, which they might do later, you never know. Uh, we'll definitely be keeping you informed here on Blizzard Watch. Um, our next question comes from Suggle Kitten. Uh, hey y'all, do you know if there's a dungeon limiting mechanic? The first time I did the Maldraxxus and Bastion dungeons, the queen popped fast. Now I have tried two separate days and nothing pop or pops. I'm, I'm thinking they mean Q, not queen. Uh, as I'm writing this, it says an average wait time of four minutes, time in queue, one hour, 17 minutes. The wait for a DPS can't be that long. Are they restricting multiple runs at 55 and below? Nope, it can't be that long. Yes, but I... Th- There's, there is a restriction. The restriction is yes. how many times within an hour. It's not how many times, like, I've run it five times this week, therefore, no. It's how many times have you run it in an hour. There- it's specific to a dungeon. There are some other limiting fact- factors in dungeons as you're leveling two. Um, to keep in mind, uh, players unlock dungeons at certain milestones as you're leveling. I noticed that when I was leveling as well. So there is that to be uh, considered as well. Yep, that's like that's not going to affect whether or not you get a queue. It affects how many. If 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 other players have unlocked dungeons, you're not able to get into then you will not be queued into those dungeons, and so you'll be waiting longer. Right, that's what I'm getting at, yeah. yeah that's that's absolutely the case, but it's not a limitation per se. There's nothing on you that's flagged your account to say, I can't, you know, this guy's run too many right. dungeons anymore. The only limiter in that front is, okay, you've run this exact dungeon six times. No, they, you can only run it so many times in an hour. That's put in to keep people from farming. Uh, specifically, people to go used to go in and like they would farm dungeons for specific drops, like the battered hilt or whatever. And they made it so you can only run the same dungeon so many times in an hour to prevent to slow down farming. Yeah, the thing Joe mentioned is absolutely true. And one of the things that limits as a DPS, one of the things that limits your your ability to get a dungeon is simply are people queuing up to tank them or to heal them? And if those people are say. They're like, say you're level 54 and they're level 56. You could be grouped with them, but you won't be grouped with them if they're getting grouped into dungeons you don't have access to yet. It's, it is, as Joe pointed out, that that's a, that's a limit. But that's the only real limiter. So it comes down to how many people are in the pool that you're in. Like when, it, if we, when we all started, when this expansion launched, everybody was in the exact same pool because everybody was the same level, more or less. Now we're all spaced out. A lot of people are at level 60. Some people are still in the mid 50s. Those people are not getting grouped together. Even if like, you know, if you're level 59 and you're trying to queue up for a dungeon, you've got access to all the dungeons except the level 60 ones. Whereas if you're level 54, several of those dungeons are out of reach to you. Yeah, it's different if you choose the Threads of Fate thing a little bit. Like I noticed that as well. Uh, It's like I think it's purely based off of item level at that point and not where you are in questing. 
Uh, at least that's what it looks like for my hunter. Uh, oh, I don't know how that works for the specifically level 60 dungeons. It, you can't get the level 60 dungeons, but anything that's not a level 60 dungeon is available. At least it was available to me right off the bat, whether that was a bug or, or by design. I'm pretty sure it was by design for choosing the threads of fate and skipping the story, the leveling story on my hunter and going straight into the covenant and catch up. So it's entirely possible that that's it. Um, but yeah, that's something to look out for, or at least uh, as a possibility. But yeah, I don't think there's anything more to say about that one unless you have anything else to add. And I think that's going to bring us to time. The next next one we're yeah, going to have to bang. Then. I, I, I am sorry. Uh, who wrote that one? I want to make sure I, I say I mention it. Uh, it doesn't have a name attached to it. Really? I thought yeah. you would have said his name in it. Well, you, you wrote a monster of an email, and I did want to get to it, but it's it's enormous. We there's no we'd be here till like seven. We like will three. save it. We promise we'll get to it. It'll go next week. But, but with with that said, I am going to do my thing. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/slash/BlizzardWatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Joe, and thank you guys, by the way, uh, for sending emails and questions to us. If you want to do that in the future, we really appreciate it because it's the show. Without them, it's just Joe and I talking. It's not that Joe and I couldn't talk for an hour, but it's more fun when we get feedback from you guys. Uh, so send them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. Or you can use our Discord, as I said before, the patron Q and podcast questions channel for patrons. And then if you're not a patron but you still want to ask, there's the Q cha- questions channel. We do look in there as well uh, for both Lore Watch and this show. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we'll be here next week. 